It's time to take your career to the next level. With over 150 graduate degree programs, the Catholic University of America, located in Washington, D.C., provides world-class academics with a student experience that educates the whole person, mind, body, and spirit. Whether your professional calling is in engineering, nursing, social work, or any of our other exceptional degree programs, encounter the best of everything that Catholic University has to offer and discover the best in yourself. Learn more today at catholic.edu forward slash gradadmissions. The legends are true. But overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Welcome to Healing with Dr. George, The Power of Chicano Latinx Heart. This is a podcast that explores the themes of self and community healing, whether as an artist, curator, collector, or admirer. I am your host, Dr. George Jesus Mesa, a Chicano clinical psychologist with a passion for promoting and preserving Chicano Latinx art. I am working in conjunction with our partners at www.latinoarte.com an online marketplace that showcases and promotes the work of Chicano Latinx artists throughout the United States. Our guests for the podcast will include celebrated artists, collectors, curators, and influencers who will share their experiences and perspectives on Chicano Latinx art as we explore the themes of self and community healing through Chicano Latinx art. I would like to welcome today's guest, Louis Perez. Louis Perez is one of the founding members of the five-time Grammy award-winning musical group Los Lobos. Founded in 1973, Louis has functioned as a percussionist, drummer, guitarist, singer, and lyricist for Los Lobos. Louis has been the art director and artistic supervisor on many of the Los Lobos albums. In 2019, Louis wrote a book, Good Morning Atzlan, The Words, Pictures, and Songs of Louis Perez. In 2021, he was named a National Heritage Fellow by the National Endowment for the Arts for his role as a songwriter and storyteller. Louis is also a visual artist and has shown his paintings and sculptures since 1975. His work has been exhibited in prominent galleries and museums, including the Los Angeles Municipal Art Gallery, the Los Angeles Contemporary Exhibitions Gallery, also known as LACE, Plaza de la Raza in Los Angeles, El Museo del Barrio in New York, the San Antonio Museum of Art, Museo de Arte Moderno in Mexico City, and the Vincent Price Art Museum in East Los Angeles. Louis, what an honor it is to have you here with us. Uh, can you tell us about your roots? Yeah, um, I grew up in East Los Angeles. Uh, uh, by the way, thank you uh, for having me on the on past podcast. I've been looking forward to this. Uh, I grew up in East Los Angeles, just east of Boyle Heights, uh, an area called uh, Belvedere. I believe it was Belvedere. I've read, I've looked on the map. It actually shows it's uh, Aurora Heights. Some right before City Terrace. If anybody from East Los Angeles are listening to this, you probably know what I'm talking about. I grew up there. Um, uh, my father and mother uh, lived in the house that my, was uh, my father's childhood home. 
he was born in uh, Las Cruces, Nuevo Mexico. Uh, so technically, he's a Chicano. My mother was from Mexico. She uh, crossed the border with my uh, with my abuelita, my my grandmother. I'm imagining somewhere in the teens, uh, 1920s, something like that. She was a, a young girl. They crossed the border, and I picture in this movie I have about how uh, this narrative about my my mom and my my grandmother. They they ended up on a cattle ranch um, with a bunch of cowboys uh, working uh, as cooks, uh, kind of the chuck wagon thing, you know, the triangle. Hey, comida, uh, and did that. Uh, I think it was my my uh, my mother my grandmother's uh, um, idea that it would be to get her you know let's let's use some of our talents in cooking to get ourselves out of the pisca out of the fields. I think I, that's the way I like to I, I like to think that's what happened. But they worked in that uh, around uh, cowboys on a cattle ranch for many years, and eventually made their way to California to Los Angeles, and worked in uh, the sweatshops in downtown LA as sewing machine operators. Uh, my mother met my father. I don't know if it was at a baile or quien sabe, but uh, they uh, they met. Uh, I don't know much of that. Uh, my dad's history kind of disappeared when he died when I was eight years old. Uh, my mother uh, never retold too many stories of uh, told much stories about him because I think it was probably or it was I'm sure very painful for her. Uh, but um, they met, they moved into the house of my uh, grandmother and grandfather, who I, grandfather I never met, uh, in that house for, um, you know, many years. My sister was, uh, came before me. She's two years older than her, Carmen. And um, that's how, uh, that's where I lived. And that's where, uh, where, um, where I spent most of my childhood. You mentioned that your father had died when you were eight years old. Can you tell us about what happened? That's right. Um, I did mention that. Uh, uh, I was eight years old when my father died of a, of a massive heart attack. Uh, I believe it had probably had something to do with him uh, uh, contracting malaria, uh, weakened his heart. Uh, also, he was a heavy smoker, so all those things. And worked hard, as like all Mexicanos do. Uh, he was a... Decorated uh, World War II veteran, uh, Soldier's Medal of Honor for heroics, non-combative heroics. So um, I was just getting ready uh, a post uh, that I was going to do for my my dad for Memorial Day. Uh, My sister and myself were uh, in the living room uh, on one of those braided rugs, sitting down watching cartoons on television when um, I heard some commotion in in the kitchen. And we ran in there. My father was uh, trying to get himself. Yeah, I guess he fell. Uh, I had a primo and uh, and a prima and an aunt that lived in the little house in the back. And they came running in. They helped get him over to this sofa kind of thing that was in the living room. And uh, in just a matter of minutes, from that point to the point where the ambulance showed up, and I remember the red lights bouncing off the the walls of the living room uh it was just a matter of minutes i uh, for one minute i had a father and two minutes later he was gone out of my life so it was a it was a quite a blow uh for my sister and i and it was um something to this day that i i still um 
I think about him every day. Of course, I think about my mother too. My, too. She died um, in 1992, but I did have the the privilege and the and um, and the honor. She was very a, a wonderful woman to be able to spend time with her. My father's uh, uh, was very short. I don't have very much recollection of him. Uh, he to this day he's like an enigma. Some something who uh, just like a, a, a presence that I can't really wrap my arms around I can't think of him in the physical sense more on this more of a um, uh, spirit sense I think eight years old is a very young age to lose a parent when they're those are your formative years especially for boys what was it like growing up as a young Chicano in the barrio without, without your father uh I think one of the reasons why my mother never went went to work was because she she uh, she never worked after my father died, and to this day my sister and I wonder how how did we ever have food on the table. <clears throat> but um, I think the reason why she didn't go back to work for, was because for fear of us uh, going south. You know, uh, I was uh, I was very young, very uh, at that point. Uh, there was a, there was a lot of things going on in, in in the hood. You know, we lived in a busy area of East Los Angeles. The the bus, uh, the rapid transit, if you want to call it that, stopped right in front of the house, and the school across the street. Uh, I think she wanted to didn't want us to be latchkey kids. She wanted us to uh, be home with the supervision of of. Uh, of a mother, at least you know, since we were, we didn't have a father, we also lived across the street from a convent. So uh, uh, I was raised uh, theoretically by by uh, by Columbian nuns. You know, the the minute that that my mom would chase us out the front door, you know, we we, we suddenly became uh, the uh, the charges of uh, of Columbian nuns and uh, Irish nuns. So we had uh, I had these really strong women growing up. Uh, and uh, to this day, I, I still uh, I, I, I honor uh, women uh, for their their strength and perseverance, and um, and I think uh, we need to celebrate that. Amazingly, I honor your mother who did such a job, such an excellent job of overcompensating for the loss of one parent. It sounds like she was a phenomenal mother. It's time to take your career to the next level. With over 150 graduate degree programs, the Catholic University of America, located in Washington, D.C., provides world-class academics with a student experience that educates the whole person, mind, body, and spirit. Whether your professional calling is in engineering, nursing, social work, or any of our other exceptional degree programs, encounter the best of everything that Catholic University has to offer and discover the best in yourself. Learn more today at catholic.edu forward slash gradadmissions. The legends are true. Overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of McDonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10 piece with nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at McDonald's. Ba da ba ba ba. Go! I participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. She worked really hard to try to, you know, she put me in 
baseball, you know, I had the shortest career in baseball history. I lasted like one game and the coach came and talked to my mom says, Senor Perez, you know, your son, I don't know if it's going to work out. He's afraid of the ball. <laughs> and I told my mom, well, they're throwing it real fast at me. <laughs> what do you expect? So uh, uh, I had like a big brother. There was a big brother program going on. And um, she bought me a Schwinn Stingray bike when I was, I think, 10. Which, a Schwinn? Think about that. <laughs> that, 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 that wasn't, that wasn't uh, uh, a cheap piece of uh, recreational equipment. That was an expensive bicycle. I don't know how she did that, but but it, it was uh, it was tough. Uh, I um, I had friends. I went to uh, my mom came up with the money to send me to the little Catholic school that was attached to the uh, to the church and the convent. So uh, and there was public schools. So I went to, to kindergarten in the public school that was right right on the corner. There was a, on one corner of Hamel and Brannock. I lived on a street called Hamel Street. There was the public elementary school. Then right across the street was the Catholic school, and down the street was uh, Belvedere Junior High. So uh, there was a lot of lot of activity going on, and I think that my mom was was a little concerned about my sister and I. How did you discover art? Uh, I ever since I was real young, I I I loved uh, I loved art. Um, I, I, there was a, uh, an artist on who had an instructional uh, uh, television show. His name was uh, uh, John Nagy. And uh, as, I, as an adult, I looked into his history. And he, uh, he was on the, the very first, uh, uh, you know, I guess Bob Ross kind of took over as being the iconic. Uh, uh, our teacher via the television, but uh, Art Nagy actually came first and had a had a show. And I saw reruns as a, as a kid. And I learned how to draw the little cabin, and I learned how to draw a a, um, a fish jumping out of the water and all this. And and then uh, of course it was Tom Hatton also uh, who has had a local show where he hosted Popeye cartoons, and he would draw, and uh, and that influenced me too. I was. I learned how to draw Popeye. Because remember one, I remember one day uh, uh, I found a little pad of paper. It was probably this big, you know, like three by three. And I drew Popeye's face over and over again on each sheet. And I took those those uh, drawings and I handed them out to all my my, my friends in, at school. And uh, I got in trouble because they balled up those little pieces of paper and threw them all over the playground. So it was my fault because I... I Cause them to, you know, uh, cause all this litter. So really, that was my first uh, uh, experience with art criticism. You know, is uh, uh, taking Popeye to to school. I actually was able to uh, meet Tom Hatton and actually thank him because he worked at uh, KNX News Radio, where a friend of mine, Luis Torres, uh, was a reporter there, and he arranged uh, a lunch. And I sat across from him and I thanked him. <clears throat> I thanked Tom Hatton for for a um, his inspiration. So I always loved art and that's, that was my story. I did that forever. And then, <clears throat> then, uh, uh, I showed some interest in music. My mother always played music in the, in the house. She was a, a lover of the rancheras, Miguel Aces, Mejia, and Lola Beltran and all of them. Uh, so I listened to, to, to those records. She also loved, uh, 
country music because growing up with Cowboys, we, we listened to Merle Haggard and Cal Worthington country music marathon on Saturday afternoons from like nine in the morning to nine at night. So I had a lot of music in, in my uh, in my home. So when I showed interest in music, my mom did the same thing again. She went out and she saved her centavos and bought me a little guitar from Milan's music store on uh, First Street in East Los Angeles and brought it home. And and uh, I didn't know how to play it, but it, but before long I was I was making sounds. And then uh, I kind of learned on my own. I kind of self-taught. So that that got me on my way to to uh, appreciating and playing music. When you were growing up, were you a visual artist or a musician primarily? Growing up, uh, um, not until I got that guitar was was I uh, uh, um, concentrating mostly on on doing art. Uh, and and looking really looking back on it, uh, in regards to uh, my personal history and and my parents and having my father die when I was uh, eight years old, was that as an adult I, I realized that. Um, art and music for me um, was um, a survival tool. After my father, after the trauma of my father dying, um, you know, I I um, I can't say I was an unhappy kid, but there was just something that 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 wasn't right. It just uh, something that the world didn't seem right to me. Uh, and I believe that that art and music was was a tool that I needed to to uh, help me get through that. Uh, when conventional things, uh, conventional wisdom doesn't doesn't do th- its job, I think we look for um, more transcendental things, and that's what music and art are. And uh, they, it had certainly helped me, and it's helped a lot of people make sense of the world when nothing else works. Um, tell us about Los Lobos. How and when did Los Lobos start? Oh, uh, I met them at James A. Garfield High School. Uh, I had been going to Salesian High School uh, about halfway through the 10th grade. I left and, and went to uh, uh, Garfield High. And I first met Conrad Lozano, uh, our bass player. He's a couple years older than I. Uh, he was already a senior, and I was just coming in as uh, halfway through the 10th grade. Uh, he was a musician, and he lived in my neighborhood. But I didn't know him until I got got to know him at um, at Garfield High School. He lived uh, about three blocks up the hill, and I knew he had a band because I could hear him from the house. They're <laughs> real loud. Uh, they modeled themselves uh, after like Blue Cheer, one of these uh, early power trios that you know louder than anything else kind of band. So uh, I met him, and then uh, shortly after that, I met David Dalgo in an art class. And uh, we became really good friends because we we uh, we um, our musical tastes uh, were very eclectic, and uh, we bonded over that. Then I met Cesar Rosas, who was uh, uh, also uh, lived in David's neighborhood. He was a musician too, and then uh, then at the same time I met. Uh, uh, Frank Gonzalez, Francisco Gonzalez, who was really instrumental in putting this band together. He, he actually started uh, Los Lobos. He invited us all over to his house, uh, Caesar first, and then Caesar said, hey, I know Dave. And then I know we were all learning uh, how to play Mexican music, which was unusual because they were all rock and roll players. So uh, 
here we have uh, then as soon as we you know when we this is already out of high school it's out of high school we we uh, you know we're living at home we had uh, the luxury of just having you know three square meals and a roof over our heads so uh, we were able to indulge ourselves in things like music and so um, we hung around together because we were we were friends first and then we all had our own bands but then after a while we just decided to. Uh, to get together, you know, at, at, and uh, again at, at Frank's uh, Frank Gonzalez's uh, idea to uh, explore, you know, Mexican music, and really it was just to play, uh, you know, for our moms, just to make them proud, because was, you know this was something that, uh, as you know, it's part of the whole homogenization process of of um, growing up in uh, Mexican American in, um, in the United States, you become kind of sanitized of your culture, so. He had this idea that we should learn some of these things, and and really it was uh, it was quite a uh, eye ear opening experience because this is music that always played in the background. Our parents uh, played it, but you know we're American kids listening to rock and roll. We're moving on, and to go backwards and uh, and play and learn how to play music of uh, our own heritage of um, our parents' music, uh, more or less. Um, was very unusual for for uh, young young musicians to do. What do you consider was the, your first big break? I don't know if it's uh, you know big break is really what how you put it. I I, I think we got invited to play a, a tarriada or something, and and we were just playing for ourselves and and um, uh, a local community activist. Uh, 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 fellow um, uh, Fernando Mosqueda uh, heard of us, heard us playing here and there and uh, found us a gig. And at that point, we had to commit to, uh, we were calling ourselves Los Lobos Los de Los Angeles just because we were kind of making fun of like the uh, the the Mexican bands from, from Mexico, you know, those uh, Puruganes, you know, all this uh, uh, all these different uh, bands with these names that are named after wild animals, Tigres del Norte, and all that. So we uh, we named ourselves Los Lobos, and then we finally had to like commit it to to a contract. And so there it was. But as far as a big break, I don't know. I, <clears throat> if you think about that for a minute, here we are as young Chicano musicians, uh, young kids that are listening to rock and roll, and then then suddenly we we put rock and roll down to take up traditional Mexican music is not only unusual, but, but kind of, kind of 86 is the old notion that you're going to become a, you know, a, you know, a rock star because, you know, this is Mexican music. Okay. So, but we, we always followed our, our own instincts and this seems right for us. We, uh, we were playing, um, in a lot of the the Chicanada uh, things that were going on in the in the early seventies, so the whole cultural renaissance was starting to happen, uh, and uh, young Chicanos were becoming more aware of their um, of their heritage and their pride, and were taking a really hard look at the system. That's why we had like you know the Isali walkouts and a lot of the you know Mexicano uh, uh, and and uh, Mecha was uh, was formed in a lot of the, the colleges. So uh, it kept us it kept us involved and also kept us busy working. 
And what happened after that? Well, uh, the natural progression of things, as we got older, we, um, we um, had families. You know, we met uh, uh, women came into our life that really were important to us. And, that, uh, and we had children and we were still working as musicians. Uh, the important point here is to, to, to say that our family supported what we did. It, we never heard anybody ever say, hey, why don't you put that away and get yourself a real job? I think there was something special about this band that that our families and friends recognized and they supported us and helped us. And there were some tough times, you know, uh, this is all we ever did. I don't know if I should be proud or I should be ashamed of the fact that I never had a real job. <laughs> and I, I've always done this all my life. So, yeah, we continued to play and, you know, it became more important for us to, uh, to uh, earn a living. So we're playing weddings and bar mitzvahs and funerals and everything else that you can imagine. And we finally found ourselves uh, doing exactly what we didn't want to do. We didn't want to trivialize uh, uh, Mexican music, and we found ourselves playing in a Mexican restaurant. And it wasn't until we got fired for playing too loud that we ended up back in the garage. And that's when uh, the new uh, uh, the new version of Los Lobos formed in the late 70s. So the big break for us, I guess, was when, or or by our own design, is we crossed the LA River into the uh, into Hollywood and started playing the the clubs as the electric band Los Lobos. And your early roots were in rockabilly, right? Or there was also some rockabilly. In it was there? just rock and roll. It was rock and roll. I I was fourteen years old when I begged my mom to uh, uh, to let me go to see Jimi Hendrix at the Hollywood Bowl in nineteen sixty nine. She got a family friend that took me, and and each one of us has a story similar to that. The the rock and roll was was uh, was uh, influential, not the the old, not necessarily just the old rock and roll, but everything that was going on, whether it came was from Mexico or the U.S. or or Europe or whatever. We we're, we're just we we're like sponges soaking up uh, music from all over, rock and roll. And here you are, ready to celebrate your 50th anniversary together as a band. That's correct. Yeah. yeah after uh, uh, yeah, 1973, we're coming up on our 50th anniversary, and we're talking about doing something. And then, but the only thing about about when you're you're supposed to get so excited about being 50, uh, but 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 the, the fact remains, you're you're you know 50 plus years old, and so uh, you get all the energy to to. Um, yeah, to have a party to, you know, today our, our drug of choice is Advil. Yeah. There's a big difference uh, between there and then. Uh, what would you like to see happen to be able to commemorate this anniversary? I think what we're going to do is there definitely, there, there is the documentary in the works, uh, which is cool. Just to uh, put it all down. And um, we'll probably do some kind of record and there'll be a tour Right now, there's a lot of ideas uh, going around, but we're still a working band. We're, we're you know, we're, we're back after COVID. We, we uh, went back on the road uh, uh, very carefully in, uh, in um, July of 2020, so uh, uh, 21, that is. So we're, we're, um, we're back on the road again. So uh, there'll be a lot of things going on uh, for our 50th anniversary. 
Amazing. So come on out. Oh, you got it. So you wrote a book, Good Morning Atzlan, The Words, Pictures, and Songs of Louis Perez, which is available on Amazon. Can you tell us about the book? Oh, okay, sure. Uh, um, I have a, a good friend of mine uh, uh, who's an artist in uh, in Tijuana, uh, uh, Rodolfo uh, um, Anaya. Uh, and he... Uh, was talking to a publisher in Mexico City, and he mentioned he knew me, and she said, "Wow, wouldn't he like to maybe do a book, uh, maybe a facsimile of like a, a sketchbook or 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 some lyrics or something?" And and he contacted me, and I thought, "Oh, that'd be kind of cool." And then I talked to my friend Luis Torres, who uh, who worked at um, at. Uh, um, the local affiliate, KNX News Radio, CBS affiliate. And my good buddy said, you know, I got an offer to do like just some little book. And I'm thinking that maybe, you know, I don't have the Harpers and Road knocking on my door, so maybe I should go for this. So we decided to you know, take it to the end zone, just really do it up. So we ended up uh, putting together a book that serves as, a, um, in a way, of as a career retrospective. There's a hundred... Uh, song lyrics that were retooled so they read more like poetry in the book and there's a bunch of drawings and paintings and uh, some essays uh, from uh, from people you know talking about what a groovy guy I am that kind of thing and uh, my wife even uh, uh, included a, a beautiful essay uh, that sums it all up well interesting thing happened is that this Sorry, you know, I'll be the first to admit it started off as a vanity project, you know, and I, and as I was putting it all together, and especially all of the words and and the stories that I had written that I put in there, um, I realized it wasn't about me. <laughs> uh, that everything that I've ever written always has a root, uh, has roots in my own personal experience, which includes all of us. Growing up in East Los Angeles, the songs I've written have always been about my experiences uh, growing up Mexican-American and East Los Angeles. So there's stories that are populated by, by gente, by people, people from East Los Angeles, their courage, their struggles, their heartbreaks, and uh, their joy. So um, I realized, hey, it's not about me after all, so that's cool. But Good Morning Aslan uh, was actually put out by Dia Chucha Press, um, by... Um, uh, which is a terrific uh, organization in in Silmar, uh, and uh, Luis Rodriguez, uh, the poet, is actually the the, um, the director and uh, uh, an incredible poet. They're celebrating, I think, uh, thirty years of his uh, landmark book, uh, always always running. So shout out to to uh, Tia Chucha. Louis, you have some very significant achievements. What to you is your most significant accomplishment? Oh, I mean, we, we received uh, the, so many, uh, we, you know, we just received our fifth Grammy, which is um, uh, the probably the, the ultimate um, award for accomplishment in, 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 uh, by my peers in, in, in music. Uh, we just got the NEA Fellowship uh, Award and uh, just announced that we're going to uh, receive the National Hispanic 
Heritage Awards for going to the White House in, the, in, in September. All this is really great, really great stuff. But for us, it's always been the work, the things that that that, that we do, and 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 our work as um, as uh, ambassadors, uh, taking our, our culture all over the world. And at one point, when we first started touring in 1983. Uh, we took it. Uh, we took our culture all on the road to to the United States of America, and all from the South to the Burlington, Vermont to Chapel Hill, North Carolina, Birmingham, Alabama, and, and uh, everywhere uh, in between. Um, so it's uh, been important for us that that has been the important thing, that all these awards really all uh, are fantastic. But it's, again, like I mentioned before, it's not really about us. You know, it's it's about what we've achieved, but it's also uh, what has, has fueled us and has given us inspiration. And that all comes from, from where we come from and by all of those that came before us. What an enlightening conversation. I'm wondering, what advice would you have for young Chicano musicians out there? Well, uh, there's a lot of different ways I can approach that. Uh, uh, the most important thing is that, that uh, do it because you love it, not for any other reason, because uh, for any other reason, it'll be disappointing. Uh, if it keeps you up at night and there's, and you can't think of anything else but to do that, just keep doing that and do it because you love it. And um, it's in a way, it's kind of like, uh, you know, um, you, you learn your instrument and, and uh, to the best of your ability and you keep going and keep going and, and you just keep, keep, and, and something will happen. Uh, there'll also be, Opposition, of course, because remember, uh, art and music is, even though it's so uh, essential for for our, our well being and for everything about us, it's still considered something that is not necessarily utilitarian. It, uh, it, it um, unfortunately, uh, um, the the inner world that inspires music and art. Uh, we we uh we have since we're children and and the system the way it's it's built now is that uh, you have to you have to extinguish that that uh that inner part of you uh to replace it with things that are just more uh, um, uh again as I say utilitarian something that you can actually uh, uh, put a a, um, a dollar sign on uh, so the I'll have to say that there will be like opposition as a young as a young musician. I think it's gotten a lot better now, more recognized as something that is is more uh, essential. And when I was growing up, it was like, hey, get a job, you know, do something. But so, just stay with it. That's that's all I I have to say. Stay with it. Uh, do it because you love it for another reason. Great, Louis. Thank you so much. What an enlightening conversation it has been. And uh, we look forward to con to continue hearing about your success and hearing uh, and celebrating Los Lobos' fiftieth anniversary. Thank you, thank you, George. Uh, thank you uh, for what you do, Doctor George, uh, for our community and for the uh, for the art world and and uh, you know uh, highlighting that that part of, of of our experience. And I appreciate what you do. Great, thank you. 
Thank you for joining us on Healing with Dr. George, The Power of Chicano Latinx Art. Please continue to tune into our series as we explore the themes of self and community healing through Chicano Latinx art. Also, don't forget to visit the website www.latinoarte.com in order to view the beautiful array of Chicano Latinx art that is available to add to your own collection. The legends are true. Overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Donald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last.